guys. Welcome back. It's Jacqueline. And Alana. We're back from vacation. Hey, guys. We're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Woohoo! <laughs> it, feels like, it feels like we started a new schooling cycle it, or something. It, it seriously does. Like, we took a break. Right. And we played. Right. We got some experience, grew our brains. Yeah, I got a little tan. Well, I did. Drunk. Like, <laughs> we yeah. had a, a, a lot of a little things. We did many of the little things, and now we're back. It feels great to be back. It does feel great to be back. Yeah, you just came back from Burning Man. How was that? I did. Uh, it, bur- it was great. It wasn't my most epic burn ever. Okay. I had a pretty busy week the week before it with the yeah. Friend's I remember wedding. I saw you right before you left right. here, and you were quite. I was frazzled. Yeah, and I was like, we had a we had quite a quite a meeting. It's. Too- <laughs> Alana. Yeah, was like shouting, crying, laughing. Yeah. Then there was like Adam. There was then... a ton of stuff. Like a lot was happening. And like it was, again, not my most epic burn, but it was my favorite burn other than my first year. Oh, that's so good to hear. And I've got to say that one of the things that I noticed and was so excited about was that there were more people of color on the playa. Hey, more brown people, more black people, more Asian people. All, more than ever that you noticed? More I have ever noticed. Wow. And I, I don't mean like a group, like a single group of people sure. of color. I mean like people of color spread throughout the entire playa as opposed to like a theme camp that is designed for, for a not minority. Oh, I see what you mean. Do you know what and I do mean? you think I'm pretty sure you have, but you you you're pretty at least I that's something I don't even like have to wonder like if it's diverse or not. Mm-hmm. Same with you. Like you didn't just decide to really pay attention this year or do you think like I, you pay attention every year, you think? I think with our episodes leading up to uh, me going to Burning Man with with all of our recording. I think yeah. I was way more cognizant of it. I see what you mean. So I it automatically caught my interest. I also take a form of transportation to get to the playa called the Burner Express. Ooh. And so that's a it's generally when I've taken the, the Burner Express before, it's I've been one of a few, if not the only black person. Oh, and this time I, I was see. not the only black person. I was not the only lighter skinned black pe- person. There was darker black people, That's black awesome. people from Africa, so <gasps> Africans. Like, oh wow! There were younger black people. There were a couple of older black people, and so I was like, the diversity of it was really overwhelmingly beautiful, sure, and striking for me. That must be so exciting. It was so exciting. It's if you are listening step. to this and you are a burner and you were out on the playa. And I saw you. Word up. Thank you for coming. You made my burn. (laughs) But then you went to Taiwan and Thailand. Yes, I went to two of the Thais. (sighs) Tell us. Debrief. (laughs) Tell us everything. Don't hurt us. It was amazing. Uh, Taiwan, I've been before. So it was a lot of family, a lot of eating, a lot of, you know, just sort of, uh, it's almost like a second home. So nice. it's it's comforting in that sense where I can go and feel really comfortable and still learn and practice my Mandarin and visit family and play with little cousins. So it's it's a very it's a it's a very uh sort of grounded time to just be in a different country, but almost just see like wow, like I have family here that are really special to me. So you get those warm fuzzies when you go to Taiwan. I do. Okay. I I get especially because I usually always stay with my cousin who has two smaller kids. Okay. Who I if everyone knows I'm ready to have a baby like yesterday. Um <laughs> but uh truth, I know. Yeah. So for me the joy really is to make an impact in their lives and just always play with them because to be honest, and we've covered this in a lot of our episodes, but Chinese kids and or Taiwanese kids study hard. Yeah. You know, these kids, they're, what, five and eight, and they go to school all day, and then they go to after school to, like, six or seven. They have dinner there because the parents are working in the school. The after school program is designed to not only do your homework, but slash babysitter. Wow. So they, ha- okay. they pay, you know, more. Right. And then they have dinner there, and pretty much the kids just come home and shower and go to bed. It's kind of sad That's in really a way. Intense. It is, and because the parents are so busy and working, and the the grandma is home a lot, but she can't also she's Run older around behind the kids. yeah and take care of the kids. So right. it's almost like a year round kind of thing. Oh, they okay. almost only get like a couple weeks in between. Got it. And then when the kids get the breaks, they don't. The parents don't take. You know, it's not like us where where when we have a break, we do something. We go on yeah, vacation, right? Or day trips, summer or, camp, yeah, or, fun events throughout the week. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I didn't have school, I got a lot of sort of. I got a lot of home time with 
myself and or my brother or play time, you know. Mm-hmm. But they don't get that, and it actually makes me quite sad to see the differences of schooling, the differences of how kids grow up, the differences of of we how we grow up. Yeah. So me really playing with them and being there for them, I think, is very fulfilling for me. Right. Um, and of course, my inner mommy can't help. But. Of course, of course. <laughs> but then you also went to Thailand as well. I went to Thailand. First time. Uh, first time. Okay. All yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. 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 So uh, this guy I'm dating, uh, mystery mm-hmm. man, uh, he he has a friend. Whose wife is from Thailand, cool. and so they were going back for the first time in a while. And she has a bunch of family there in her village and all this stuff, nice. and it's super cool. So I was actually, I always think it's better because I have traveled a lot, but I always think it's always better, even even better to travel when you know a local, when you know a native. Yeah, that cuts, you can live like a native, and you can explore things that you couldn't as as you can explore things that you can't as a foreigner or right. as a as a tourist. Um, you almost like half of your like stress is out the window. You don't have to worry about trans translating, asking, right. you know, um, a lot of times they charge foreigners different prices, you know, oh. especially in third world countries. Got it, because um, they and, think you have the money. Exactly. Yeah. Or they they know that you're not going to tackle or they know you can't because you don't speak the language. Oh. It happened in Taiwan. We were at this, like, my my mom hadn't, be, hadn't been back to Taiwan in a while, so we took her to this um this like famous mountain and they were it was raining so the um what do you call those those cable car not cable cars um those things that run on like not as uh, it's like a lift it it's is like an enclosed lift to a high point exactly I mean, uh, is it not, it's not a cable car but you know it, what i mean uh, oh damn we'll remember it well, yeah it'll come to us. um it'll but it was it was thundering us. and lightning so when it's lightning they don't they don't operate that right. thing so, funny story, we were waiting for it to, to sort of restart, but it was taking forever. And it was so hot. It was so hot and humid. Yeah, the that Southeast Asia weather is no joke. Um, I don't know how your hair would have liked that. Uh, I tell you, my hair my didn't like it. Yeah, it. My hair would have not been Exactly. Happy, my skin sure. loved it, but I was sweating through every piece of clothing. You could, I never, I didn't think I could sweat as much as I did. I feel like we're talking about sweat a lot. In we have. <laughs> I feel like we're talking about it more. We'll keep Ooh, going. I'm sweating as we speak. <laughs> um, so then, as we're rounding the mountain, we there was a group of white people. You know, I don't necessarily Americans, but probably some sort of European. And my we we heard them in a different language, um, uh, asking about the the way to come down from the mountain. Mm-hmm. And because there were taxis there, because we didn't want to wait for the cars, and they were actually charging. The white people like triple the amount that they charged oh. us. So, wow. Okay. Anyways, Thailand's the same thing. Bangkok, they're they're hustling. They're always. I mean, a lot, yeah. of, especially in Thailand, a lot of it they get their money from tourism. You know. Yeah. Uh, but Thailand is beautiful, just gorgeous. It Putting is it on paradise. my must travel to list. I'm going back because I was only there for a week, and it's not enough because there's so many islands to explore. And cool. we went island hopping, which was paradise nice. on top of paradise on top of paradise. People, they say Thailand is the land of smiles. It's the Vegas of Asia. That is all spot on. I've actually never heard it referred to as the Vegas of Asia. That's interesting. I've heard Macau is sort of the Vegas of Asia as well. But I've heard as far as Vegas, like... Like the showgirls and the like red light district, the like, pomp and the circumstance yeah, of it, the, the bright the lady lights. lady boys, oh my ah, god, those okay. lady boys! I was like turning my head left and right, and being like, <laughs> "Can I go after her? Oh wait, she's a boy! Oh damn!" <laughs> like they're all they're, they're there's your American Asianness for you. I know. Tell me about and they're sweet and they're beautiful. They're more lady than I am. <laughs> Pretty sure they, they don't got a vagina. So. I'm, sh- I'm sure you can give them a good run for their money. I'm sure. I'm totally sure. So, yeah. And you went to Berlin and France. Yes. France won the World Cup. I wasn't in France when they won the World Cup. Yeah, they won the World But Cup. I was in France for all of the other games that were being played. So they were quite, they were on my, I mean, they, I knew they were going to win. Their team was so strong. You know what? I think Solid. I'm a, a newfound soccer fan because of that experience. Ah, okay. Because as we talked about in our, our soccer episode, yeah. like Americans just don't value soccer. No. And we just, there's not that um, culture around no. it. But there in in the south of France, in Paris, uh, ultimately also, too, in Germany, like, 
soccer's a thing. Yeah, people in th- get in, fired in Thailand, up. They were playing everywhere. Soccer yeah, was everywhere. Every bar was like soccer. Fired up, yeah. energetic, and like that sort of energy is really electrifying and magnetic. And mm-hmm. I might not know anything about <laughs> soccer, but God, to be a, a person absorbing all of those oh, good feelings sure. and all of that good energy. I, how can you not walk away just like a newfound fan? Like I'm a fan of France and I'm completely fine in mentioning that I'm biased because I was in France when right. they won. So yeah. I, I just think the French soccer team is fucking dope. Yeah. They're good. Bandwagon fan. Good. I'm totally calling myself out. Bandwagon fan. I own it. Hey, but when France, if France ever plays here, I'll totally go. Right. Yeah. Um, so then we got back and uh-huh. this thing happened in the world. Sorry. We got back as in you and I are now back in oh, California. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I was like, you got back and? No, sorry. No, no. <laughs> back to where? Jackie and I, we got back from our respective vacations. Yes, we're back now. And this thing happened. This thing right. was released. Well, this thing was all already kind of happening while I was in Asia. So I was like really bummed to miss the premiere. But I so it was ask crazy. It was pretty crazy. People look really rich. There was a lot of Asian people. Guess what? I think for our first episode back, we've got to talk about Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. We've got to talk about the success that it oh, is. The My heart. I always knew it was going to be a, a box office blockbuster. Like, Did I knew you? it was going to kick ass. I was honestly a little scared. What? Because... I, I just had never been seen anything like this before. Well, no one has, but Asians stick with Asians. Like, I know. y'all stick to fucking together. Yeah. And it's really inspiring. Yeah. Like, it's really amazing to see. That's why I was like, it's going to be a success. Right, right, right. Like, right. even, it's going to be a success. Right. Well, it was. I mean, just it really blowing up and theaters being sold out and yeah. it being what the most highest grossing romantic comedy since 2009 something along if those I'm not lines mistaken. yeah and how of all of all the other movies that also premiered on the same day there was like Mark Wahlberg a movie with Mark Wahlberg Jason Statham and like all these like white leading men movies oh, they like was that the one with Ronda Rousey Mile 22 yeah, or something? Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize so they like came beat, out at the same time. It beat all of these movies with all white people, uh, like, three weeks, like, two weeks in a row or something insane like that. Wow. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, it came, like, as far as, you know, premiering on top. And so it was, like, it was like you know, Crazy Rich Asians number one and then Mile 22, whatever. Like a distant like, second? Yeah, like a distant second. Well, I mean, the numbers yeah. don't lie. Uh, as... As per an article on Vox, this was a late August article. I think it was their last one of their last articles in August. The movie had grossed a total of seventy six point eight million dollars domestically only. Domestically, not, that's domestically, and the movie only cost. I think, don't quote me. I think it's the twenty four to thirty six million dollars to make. Right, and it has grossed probably like at least. Right, we are recording this show on September thirteenth. I'm going to bet my bottom dollar. It is definitely cracked a hundred million dollars, oh, easily, yeah. and it's going to continue to balloon. Mm-hmm. And the the I got sort of Black Panthery vibes off of the street team word of mouth. Go see this film. Oh, interesting. Like I feel like there were some of some of those residual vibes um, yeah. for this movie and for getting people. Into the theater, selling tickets, butts in seats. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I was super inspired by. Right, I was, I was too. I mean, my whole Instagram feed for maybe about two to three weeks was mm-hmm. just people talking about it, people posting about it, people you know, storing about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wasn't able to see it until about two weeks after it actually aired or it came out. Uh-huh. So I was sort of behind and all that to see what it was really all about but but I kept hearing so many good things that I was just I was I and then when I saw it I was I was blown away of course yeah I think we all were it and was, I mean it's it a romantic comedy yeah so it's super predictable but you can go wrong I mean we've all seen shitty romantic comedies but romantic comedies yeah some people would say romantic comedies uh what an inconsequential right super movie predictable genre. you know what's gonna happen but there is something likable about a romantic comedy there is a easy to digestness yes. about romantic comedies yes. which i think worked for crazy rich asians absolutely do you know what i mean yeah absolutely and i think what they did right 
versus I don't know what's going to happen to Mulan. That's, <laughs> that's going to be an episode I know for sure oh, because man. the writers are white and they're changing mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. What they did right about this movie is the writer is Asian. Mm-hmm. The director is Asian. Right. You know, so they didn't really have, you know, the vision was very true and authentic because it's things that they know about. Right. 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 The John M. Chu, he is Taiwanese, actually, represent Taiwanese. Awesome. Um, Constance Wu's Taiwanese. Taiwan. Um, so I was super, super proud of that. And, you know, in and of itself, I mean, Henry Golding's half white and half Singaporean, right. but he looks really Asian and he's from Singapore. So, yeah, it's like, definitely. You know, you're going to, and it was his first, he's never acted before. That's Isn't he a host on BBC? I think he's a, a host on something. Yeah, he well, he started, he did a bunch of stuff, but yeah. he hosted and then. So someone, he's got some on-camera experience. He does not acting, not per se. actually acting. Okay, but maybe you know he's a natural. I think he's he has he has another movie with Blake yeah. Lively coming yeah. out. So right. like Good he's, for he's him. doing well, definitely. Yeah, he can be the poster of like leading Asian man. Why not? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> so so just to to be clear, if you are like, oh my god, these girls are rambling. I have no idea what you're talking about. In essence. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, it's a Cinderella-esque story, a Cinderella-esque romantic comedy that kind of has all the trappings of like a feel-good high school film. Right. Everyone's really attractive. Be- everyone's beautiful and rich. All of the men seem to never uh, miss a moment to take their shirts off. Thank God. That sexy shower scene is yeah. about fucking time. They like, you know, objectified a sexy Asian man to that level of like just I agree. showing his abs and, and, and alluding that mo- couples are, are Asian couples are having sex. Like, yeah, that was all really like amazing for me to see because you never you what Joy Luck Club, no, but the, even Joy Luck Club didn't have any of that. Joy Luck Club wasn't a romantic comedy, but. right? And it was a Disney film, so like you yeah. weren't gonna have like shirtless had, like, hunky Asian dudes, right? That is very true. Right. But it also was like brightly lit, like everything was flooded with color mm-hmm. and shine mm-hmm. and light. Yeah, and it like it and the just, pacing was good. The pacing was really mm-hmm. nice. Not once did you feel like sort of like oh what's next or like oh okay I'm bored. It was just like next 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 right right like it they just completely grabbed your attention from the start. Yeah, actually, that opening scene is a is a memorable one for a couple of reasons. But before I get to that, I just want to say for a second that like this is the first Hollywood film in 25 years since Joy Luck Club. Right. 1991. To feature an all Asian cast with Asian American in lead roles. Yeah. This is huge. This is big this time. This is huge. And I think Kevin Kwan, the author of Crazy Rich Asians, mm-hmm. then then it got adapted obviously into this film. I think the book was a really good success and he has two more. He has China Rich Girlfriend and another one that might be get turned into movies or they'll do a sequel to Crazy Rich Asians I'm super excited about. Um, So I have a question. In the the research for this film, apparently Crazy Rich Asians was not a huge hit back east. No. So uh, here's the... I wouldn't say the flip side, but for every, you know, extreme, there's going to be another extreme. Right. Um, most of the complaints, I think it was the biggest, it's a huge success here in America, but I think most of other, most of Asia doesn't really care okay. as much. And a lot of, um, there was this really good BBC article about, you know, about Crazy Rich Asians saying how they can't, they wouldn't be able to please everyone, which is true. Of course. Um, because You're talking mainly, about the 1%. Exactly. Yeah. And because mainly the, ca- the cast of Crazy Rich Asians is British, British American right. and Asian American. Mm-hmm. And so um, Asian American and British American, you know, British Asian, sorry. I said British American. Oh, okay. Sorry. Maybe I offended some people. <laughs> <laughs> A slip of the tongue. We apologize. Right. We apologize. Like Gemma Chan and like, you know, right. like all, you know, she's British. And um, so I guess the only concern that most people in general are having is that it didn't really authentically represent a lot of like Singaporeans or Malaysians in its actual country which then I'm like but you're selling a movie you know in America you're going to attach names that are going to be famous in America mm-hmm. not someone who's famous in Singapore and don't get me wrong they had Michelle Yeoh who's Malaysian they had Ronnie Chang from um he does the thing with Trevor Noah he's Malaysian okay um but but you know, I think there are people who felt like underrepresented. And then there were like the brown Asians who started getting mad that they weren't getting, you know. I mean, I definitely did notice some what I guess you could call colorism yeah, happening. For sure. Yeah. Um, but again, like I, I as a, as a, a viewer, but also I with knowledge of 
Asian Americans. And I had to keep I have to keep saying that because as I was watching the film, I had to stop and wonder, like, okay, this is not in America. No. So maybe X, Y, and Z is not customary in Asia, whereas whereas I'm used to seeing it here in America. And I think that the colorism um, is probably on that list. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas I definitely did find myself going, wait, I know there's there's darker complected Asian people in a, Singapore. Like, a lot. I, I know that. Yeah. There's Malay. There's yeah. Indians there. There's yeah. Indonesians there. There's a there. lot of Indians. Yeah. So, like, I was wondering why the the darker complected Asians weren't featured. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay, hold on. Wait a second. It's called Crazy Rich Asians. Right. By definition... If you are a rich Asian... You might not necessarily be very dark. Right. Because you wouldn't be working outside in the sun. You would be inside, maintaining that milky white skin. Or let's say if you're not necessarily outside, because it is somewhat very... If it's a busy city, Mm -hmm. um, based on your class and your status, you are, you know, in a lower status because of how much money you make, Mm -hmm. may be reflecting the color of your skin in those countries. Ah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. You may not necessarily necessarily just be you know you might be a part of the crazy rich Asians family but you you'd be a maid and they yeah. obviously weren't going to show you know a scene of the maids in crazy rich Asians that's right not that could be like a really awesome spinoff right exactly you know yeah but I mean that one guy who's actually Filipino the gay like cousin right yeah. Oh, yeah yeah so he was he was the darkest one out of all there and he was he's Filipino he's not even really any of those but he worked so and he was great he reminded yeah. me of uh, a, a say girl a, a gay Harvey Firestein. Oh, he reminded me of yeah. Harvey Firestein in Mrs. Doubtfire. Like yeah. he he had that feeling yeah, for me. He was really charming. Like him and Aquafina together making over Rachel. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Tons of trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about this film and <laughs> probably giving it away. So if you haven't seen Crazy go Rich Asians, what are you waiting for, bitches? Yeah, go see it and then come back. Like yeah, and then trigger warning. This. this entire episode is going to be trigger warnings. <laughs> um, so yeah, the colorism thing definitely was something that I read a lot about, but also don't know a, enough about colorism in another country right. to say, oh, this movie is colorist. Yeah. Like, I couldn't make that claim, but sure. I definitely understood where those people were coming from because oh, I yeah. noticed it while I was watching the film. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit it spot on where that's going to happen regardless. And what are you going to do? It's Crazy Rich Asians. And, totally. you know, uh, based on what we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. in, in general, I'm not saying that rich Asians are only the lighter skinned. Right. Um, but then it also depends on the stars that they needed to cast and what was on that list, you yeah, know? Yeah, because this so, film was like a all-star roster of Asian yeah. actors. It was amazing. You had... Uh, I, I love him. He's amazing. His name is slipping my mind right now. His name is Funny Asian Dude on Netflix. He's in Silicon Valley. Oh, yes. Um, he's great. Oh, Jimmy Yo Yang. He's a true. hilarious yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, comedian. The longer-haired Asian gentleman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's so Rowdy cousin who was obnoxious. Yeah, but he's mm-hmm. Hong, He's a native Hong Kong. Oh, he's I didn't Hong know Kong. that. Yeah, his, like, he speaks with an accent. Like, that hits him in that movie. That he was just literally, like, speaking. He wasn't even trying to put on an accent. Perfect. Um, He's hilarious, and he understands what it's like to be an immigrant. He has a really good book, um, How to American. I've okay. Been, yeah, check it out. Interesting. Um, and a lot of them that were actually that are in America, but are all, you know, I thought they did the best they could to cast authentically mm-hmm. to its its native um, roots, in a sense. Okay. Um, and they were really inclusive about all of Asia. There was Taiwan, Japan. They were. Singapore. Mal- yes. You know, they talked about, like, the family and type. Like, they were really good. They were really inclusive. So I think they did the best that they could. Right. Like, I felt really included. And I'm not, I'm never, I'm never going to be part of that world. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I felt included. I'm definitely never going to be a part of that world. But I think that that's what makes the movie great is, like, at its core, the relatability factor is so high. So high. Like, yeah, it's all universal. It's totally universal. Which then, which then it goes to show, like, you don't need an all-white cast or an all-certain cast or an, a male-white lead right. or a blonde, blue-eyed female to make it something. It can be people who look just like me and who just look just like you. Correct. And I think that was one of the biggest successes oh, of this film was that it really tackled our preconceived notion of if it doesn't look like me, I can't relate. Right. Or if it doesn't look like a J 
general population of America, then we can't make it. Right. Or if the the quote unquote general viewing audience doesn't get it, the movie's going to fail. Right. And no one wants to see Asians on screen or black people on screen. Like they're not not, sellable. Yeah. Like what the fuck? These are all complete (laughs) myths. Oh, totally. All complete myths. And I think are being debunked slowly. I mean, I think us Asians have a long, 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 long way to go. But I think with Crazy Rich Asians being so bold and so, it was almost like people were like throwing it up everywhere. Like it was so like sort of Black Panther. Like everyone was preaching about it. Non-Asians all left and right. Um, Going to the theater, like I told you, I got emotional. Like I cried multiple multiple times throughout the movie. Not just because, yeah, there were some cheesy parts that I fell for, of course. But but, like I was walking in the theater and I like... I was, for some reason, I had picked seats to, like, they were on the, on the opposite side. So I had to cross the whole front aisle, ah, you know? Okay. And I looked to my right, mm-hmm. and I just saw all these white people. And I kind of lost it. I was like, mm-hmm. there's white people in this theater that are watching people that look like me? Yeah, Like, they're there. that was just, I never thought that, that that would be something that I'd get emotional over. Well, but it makes sense why you did. Because for so long... Big Hollywood studios have overlooked Asian Americans. Yeah. We have, they have overlooked African Americans, right. assuming that like we're not a, we're not going to go to the theater. Right. We're not a big component of the buying audience, mm-hmm. and we really are. And we show that with our dollars, and we show that with our, uh, our, our appearance in movie theater seats. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're also getting to a place where we're sick of seeing the same tired narratives about white people. I agree. I think people are craving more. I think people are ready for more. Right. And I think now in this time and age with obviously Trump being our president, yeah. people are a lot more open totally. to seeing new and different things. Definitely. Yeah. Can we talk about some uh, stereotypes that this movie tackled that I think they did an amazing job with? I agree. Uh, We kind of touched on it already, but I just want to go back to it really quickly, which is the idea that Asian men cannot be hunks. Uh huh. They're not hunky. Yeah. We have been TV, American TV and film has told us that for years. They cannot be hunky, which in prep for the show they're demasculated for sure totally demasculated yeah. and obviously in prep and and seeing how asian men are depicted in foreign films or in films from their native land they can be hunky right and i'm happy that we are now america's now catching up to these foreign depictions of asian men mm-hmm. they can be hunky they can be ripped and yeah. shirtless i mean a lot they, there was a lot of shirtless scenes and a lot of it felt like kissing <laughs> and sex and that was great i feel like anytime john chu like had the opportunity to just like have an Asian guy take his shirt off. He was like, "You shirt off, get, get it, get it gone now. Stop, like no way, right?" But also in terms of like tackling an Asian female stereotype, I love that you didn't that Asian women were not depicted as mm. uh, non-assertive. Yeah. Uh-huh. You had Rachel at the beginning playing that intense poker game. Yeah, yeah, and. The assumptions that she's going to lose because right. we have always seen Asian women as, you know, like the sad lily or the wilting yeah. flower or really <laughs> docile, dis- docile and quiet. Lady. And she's anything but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's quite the fighter. Um, for sure. And then uh, the mom, 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 Michelle. Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh's character. Yeah. She's definitely not. Her role probably she's definitely made, not yeah, submissive. She made the movie for me. I mean, that last scene with the Machang uh, scene where she. She, I didn't even know what Mahjong was. Oh yeah, it's it's really fun. Um, uh, no, you know it's uh, yeah. just we gamble. <laughs> I got you. Um, Chinese people love to gamble too. Um, <laughs> we she she was quite uh, breathtaking in her acting for sure. Eleanor, Eleanor yeah. is her name. I yeah. had it scribbled down, oh, but I I really like that name. It's a it's a really classic yeah, name. It is. Um, I also feel like they tackled Asians in accents. Oh, this movie did a really good job of that. And I didn't even know that Asian people had British accents or could have British accents until this movie. But I also. Well, because a lot of um, a lot of um, well, if you go back to when a lot of times the British occupied those lands for a while. That's right. So people in Hong Kong speak English and they speak it with a British accent because the British occupied Hong Kong for a really long time. So on and so forth. But 
that's it, the it was a gorgeous was... thing to hear on screen because right? I feel like we never hear that on screen. Mm-hmm. But I also similarly love that fobbiness was fully embraced. Yeah. There's something about our U.S. culture just like really not being cool with fobbiness. And I think the <laughs> assumption is like no one can understand someone with a fobby kind of accent. And right. that's not true. No. Like that's 100% not true. I had not an issue understanding anyone's English at all. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it, I thought they did a really good job of not really forcing it, but just letting it be natural. Right. And all the Asians that had British accents had British accents for a reason, you know, because right. they went to boarding school in in England or because they studied abroad and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And and the ones who didn't, you understood it because they came from different lands. But in Singapore, they do speak a lot of English, so Got you know, it. it's it, it was so well. done done on that point it was so you bought it totally you know i I think as an outsider maybe you you would definitely buy it but me understanding the culture a lot more i i didn't have a problem with anything because everything they did was pretty accurate right you know otherwise i would have been like what the fuck like he shouldn't be you know it was definitely meaningful and and purposeful and it had an intention there yeah i love that it was so thought out i think that john chu and cast and crew did an amazing job One thing that I will say is that walking into the film, I was pretty confident in my basic level of knowledge of Asian traditions and customs. Okay, yeah. I was pretty, pretty okay. Yeah. When Rachel said she was so Chinese that she is a professor of economics and lactose intolerant, I, I fell it. out black girl laughing. <laughs> Just laughing. I know. But there were other moments where I was like, I don't understand why this is important. I don't understand why this is included. But I'm not going to sit here as a moviegoer and go, this is pointless because I don't understand it. Because I definitely had moments where I was like, you know what? I'm sure there are plenty of times where other Asian Americans have walked into black films and been like, I don't get that joke. Yeah, but for it's, sure. It's, but it's not going to ruin the overall movie experience for me. I yeah. felt like that in the Mahjong episode or oh, in the Mahjong scene. I, I knew what was going on, but because right. I don't understand Mahjong and these symbols on the blocks. Yeah. I didn't fully understand right. what was going on. Right, 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 right. But the two girls next to me were like loving it yeah. and having the oohs, ahs, what's going to happen kind of moment. Right, and I right, was excited right. for people like that, for yeah. them. Right. We were just so into it, seeing a game that I'm sure they played growing up on American television screen, uh-huh. very much like, yo, Asia and Asians have arrived. Like we are playing right. Mahjong yeah. on television. There are packets of tissue on the table. Like, <laughs> what up? Um, so I want to ask you, like, what was it like to see a film that was a hundred that starred Asians a hundred percent throughout throughout, spoke languages that you either can understand or at least interpret? Yes. Definitely understood. Depicting customs and traditions that you're familiar with, but a lot of Americans aren't. Like, what is that feeling? What's that like? It was really, really, really... Can I say that one more time? I sure can. Sure. Really special. Great. Because... And that's why I got emotional, because I teeter on that exact fine line where Mm -hmm. my mom is very traditional. And living is all about sacrifice and duty and... um, you know, uh, uh, expectations. To Very, a Eleanor-esque. Very Eleanor-esque. Very Eleanor-esque. Yeah. So I understood. And my mom is tough as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and me being Asian-American and pursuing my dream, as right. she says, and that we're different. And I felt very torn at times because then I was like, well, she's kind of right. You know, yeah. not, not that that's okay that she's not okay for her son, but that but that because she has somewhat of an American American values, she is different mm-hmm. than someone that is just completely from Asia. Right. Um. So that was really real, and that actually really struck a chord with me because it's something that I actually deal with and 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 I guess battle with or reflect on on the daily. Really. You know, of like. Is this the right thing? Should I be, you know, like it's just, it's just maybe because I'm more tied and I'm really close to my mom that I Mm -hmm. have that. Um, But I love the scenes like they, the whole dumpling scene where Gemma Chan is like, oh yeah, when are we going to start guilt tripping our children into like all of that was so, so real. Um, And, and, uh, and true, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, but it felt really special. And so I think this movie, like a lot of people have said before, um, 
it is what it is, but I think for more than what it is, it's just, you know, maybe a flashy movie and with all, right. you know, with a good script and good actors. But ultimately, it's really a movement that has finally shown the world that it's it's something that um, needs to start happening now. Definitely. You know? I'm glad that you mentioned your mom and therefore by mentioning your mom we we spoke a bit about Eleanor because the Asian tiger mom trope it was definitely very alive and present in this oh, film. Oh, yeah. And I feel like people vaguely know what the tiger mom right. trope is. And we could do an entire episode. We could do an on, on tiger On right. the tiger mom. Yeah. But, um, and but, I think Michelle Yeoh almost didn't take this role. She was like, I don't want to be the tiger mom. I don't want to be this sort of villain. Yeah. You know? She played it with such complexity and mm-hmm. such grace. So Before I, I go on this yeah, tangent, can you just talk about what a tiger mom is? Just a vague, yeah. or sorry, a, a general, Sure. So I guess uh, essentially a a tiger mom is someone who is very strict, Mm -hmm. who's sort of, (laughs) I don't want to say, I could use the word sort of like communist-y, but very, very, you know, um, pushes you to be excellent and excel at literally everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Your your skills, your grades, your talents, all this stuff, and you may not necessarily have any say in it. Got it. You know? Yeah. So this is what you're going to do for... This is your path to whatever she thinks is right, and you will go on that path, and you will not question it. Got it. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, and, understand. And, and the whole, the whole, I forget who wrote it, but she, you know, the Tiger Mom book, but, but, you know, people have gotten a lot of, um, a lot of, or she got a lot of backlash because it's like, oh my God, you're so straight. You don't let, you know, all this stuff. And, and then at the same time, we have the model minority myth of right. why we're so successful and we are this and that. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all very, it's, it's similar to you guys. You, everyone has it, but, but it's, um, yeah, the Tiger Mom, uh, was the role was there. She was she was clawing. Well, I'm glad that she did take it because I think that she did that role so much justice. She did, and really gave the Tiger Mom trope, trope a lot of complexity For that sure. I think, as an American outsider looking in, the Tiger Mom has always been depicted. In as a sort evil. of yeah, and in a kind of two dimensional, flat, yeah. loveless way, yeah. And you saw with her depiction that that's not it the was truth. Full, it was full of love. It was all love. Yeah. Now that love might look different when enacted. Yes. You and, know what I mean. And, and I think that that's the important thing we have to remember when we're talking about the tiger. Mom. Definitely, definitely. And I think every culture is especially Asian cultures, that you don't express a lot. You don't touch a lot. You don't kiss a lot. Right. So a lot of love is expressed as sacrifice or owing or whatever it is, which isn't right or wrong either. It's just how the culture has been for thousands of years. But there was a lot of... Kissing, touching, affection, sexuality, emotion. Emotion. Uh, Asians can feel. Yeah. Yeah. Asians with tons of feelings, Mm -hmm. which must have been really, really liberating as a viewer. For sure. Because I think that we Americans sort of forget that, like, you know, they're people with emotions and feelings. Right. It's just going about expressing them is maybe a little bit different than... Than the other average, or that we're encouraged to do in our modern world. Exactly. I don't necessarily. uh, I'm not one of these millennials that puts all of her feelings out on social media. I just was not raised that way. Right. 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 And so sometimes I feel like in our culture we fall into this pattern of if white people do it, then that's the norm of expectation of how to behave. Right. And. There are different norms. Just because white folks yeah. do it, that does not mean that that's how everyone should act. Definitely. Does that make sense? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'm always, as far as for Asians, I'm always more pro-expressing, like, overdoing it because we're such a culture that doesn't. Repressed, that, dare yeah, I say. Yeah, we're very, very repressed and we don't. You know, we we think it's selfish to express what we want or express mm-hmm. how we feel, and then there's like you know so many soap operas written about that. Yes, um, it's so, true. It's true. So I've, and I'm also an artist, so I'm always pro expressing for sure, and especially for Asians. Like I, 
just said. And I think also, too, going back to what Michelle Yeoh did for the movie, is that she gave the movie a lot of credibility. She did. She, well, like... But I think Constance Wu could have done that just as easily. Yeah, but Michelle Yeoh in the Asian community, from oh. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, from her days as the Bond girl, like, she is, like, an oldie that has, like... who? What's a good equivalent? Um... Like Meryl Streep to Amer- to like American movies, kind is what of Michelle like, Yeoh is like, Asian films. Yeah, in in a way where she's so classy and everything she does is always so good, and mm-hmm. she's beautiful, you know. So mm-hmm. if her name was not attached to that list, I don't think it would have looked as good. And I think that's why they fought for her so hard. Interesting. Yeah, because she turned the, the role down and John John Chu had to convince her to take – she said, if you can convince me, they like Skyped for like a, a couple hours and he convinced her to take the role. That sounds so – there's something so Asian about I that. Know. Like, but I know. In the best possible way, <laughs> there is something so – Asian yeah. and I love and, but, that. But also when you go and I mean I've listened to a couple of their Q and A's and when she speaks, like you you stop. She does have she the ha- demeanor of like a cool oh, yeah. fucking movie star. Yeah, and you don't fuck with her. Yeah, you, you, no. you and you, know you definitely I mean? get those vibes off of her. Yeah. And so everything she kind of stands for was exactly what they needed for Eleanor. Mm-hmm. So she was pretty perfect. And I think she gave the credibility because she's been for around sure. forever. Um, and her role in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was just put her there. And I don't think she could ever step down. I'm glad that you drew the distinction between mm-hmm. um, how she gave the movie credibility for Asian audiences. Yeah, in, in not in America right. necessarily, but even for some Asian Americans that are familiar with Asian cinema. Mm-hmm. I, I was so fucking excited. But yes, but I think because of her, they were smart. Because I think because of her, other Asians not from America were more interested in the movie than Got they it. would have been without her. Got it. You know well, let's I mean? talk about this for a second because it was one question that I, I oh, yeah. kept thinking about as I was leaving the theater is, who is this film for? Right. That's is interesting. it for Asians in Asia? Yeah. Is it for American Asians? Is it for Asians in America? If you understand I'm, Honestly, I think if you have some sort of, if you can derive any sort of meaning or fulfillment from the, from the movie, even if you're not Asian, mm-hmm. it can be for you if you're a minority even, you know? Right. I think if anything, overall, like the overall color, I for sure Asian Americans. Right. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I 100%. thought so, but I wasn't, I didn't want to assume yeah. that. It, had a, it has Asian American written, written all, all over it. Okay, <laughs> got it. Yeah, so... So, you know, I think it's just finally opening doors that needed to be open um, a while ago. But, you know, everything everything great takes time. I wonder if Asian audiences in Asia yeah. accepted it the way that we did I here. Know. We should do I, – I think it, there – it might have just premiered in Singapore, like, yesterday. I think it did rather well in Singapore. Yeah, I think it did rather well in Singapore. I'd have to see how it did. We should do, like, a – like a let's go, like on another episode once we figure out like finalize the numbers how it did because on it, obviously all the info I'm getting is from here right but, exactly so it's 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 Americanized yeah, yeah I don't know how it did in China they might not give a shit or they might really think it's awesome well I'm asking that because I feel like in 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 different countries in Asia right. there's really rich film and cinema culture yes so. Why would they look at a film like Crazy Rich Asians yes. and think, oh, my God, this is brilliant exactly. when they have already had rich, longstanding cinematic traditions, right. great films that have been made and continue to I be completely made. completely agree. You know what I mean? The one thing they did really well was um, the the soundtrack of the music, like even the opening song, are really, really old, famous Chinese music songs ah. that they sort of covered in like a more poppy way. way. Yeah. So for older generations, like my mom was singing along with the entire movie because really? she knew all the songs. Wow. Um, and a lot of her friends from here that are her age that are were born in this 1960. Um, no, so I think they also were smart about that because then it draws in the older folks right. that may not care as much, but because the music and Michelle Yeoh and the locations of the movie, you know, and it had, I think, just enough Mandarin, just enough Cantonese. Um, to satisfy to satisfy the non Asian Americans. Right. In America, at right. least, right? Because right? there's a lot of immigrants here. Totally. Um my okay, my only thing, because I, I have to have a thing because Go for I'm it. an artist. Maybe two things. Sure. Um 
I wish Henry Golding spoke more, more Mandarin. Okay. Because, and this is things that you wouldn't know. But doesn't he speak Malay? Yeah, but hey, so in the in the movie, in the book, uh-huh. his grandma, who is oh. actually in Joy Luck Club, she's 91 years old. That's oh. crazy. Yeah, they, wow. did, they did a really good job at pulling that back too. Wow. Um, she, I forget who she was in Joy Luck Club. She was one of the aunts in Joy Luck Club. She had a good part in it. Wow. She was 91. <laughs> she's super famous in China. Um, so that was good on them too. Um, she spoke really good Mandarin, and he called her her ama, which means um, which means uh, grandma in well in Taiwanese. Okay, we say ama too. Um, but she spoke perfect Mandarin. So in the movie, wow. he supposedly was raised by her, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Right. But he didn't when he spoke Mandarin, it was pretty bad. So uh, to be you know one you know saying. completely authentic, I think. He doesn't speak Mandarin in real life, I'm right. pretty sure, because he's obviously from Singapore. But I think if they could have just, I don't know, and maybe it's impossible. That was my only thing. I, in real life, as close to as real life as we can get, that it's, yeah. it's a movie, he would have spoke perfect Mandarin and more Mandarin, and he didn't. Well, yes. But also, I mean, like, I had a moment like that watching it where I was like, hmm, Rachel Chu, an economics professor at NYU, doesn't know that her boyfriend is part of a wealthy family yeah. Yeah. abroad. Like, she's an economics professor. Right. Why would she not know that? So I see like, I see what you're saying. You know, yeah, there was a couple things. A couple tweaky things. That were just, because it because the movie was so good, right. I couldn't help but find, like, at least one or two things that would have just made it even better. Right. You know? And that's just the artist in us wanting to For sure. know, learn. I guess there was one striking difference that I noticed throughout watching the film and I had to stop myself and go wait that might be cool for American Asians but maybe that doesn't happen in Asia uh-huh. and that thing is this I didn't see minus the opening scene there were no white people in this movie yeah I loved it I did too but it was it was it, they were so absent it was obvious yeah I think growing up in Los Angeles California I am so used to seeing Caucasian Asian couples uh, either it's like oh an Asian woman dating a white guy yeah. or vice versa I'm so used to that yeah so it was weird to me to like none of these people like yeah are no They're, one is dating white people no one is married to I, a white person it I was, noticed um before the bachelor scene there was like a white bartender okay and during the bachelor scene on that insane like cargo ship um cargo yeah whatever that thing was yeah. um there was a lot of non-Asian people on there okay only because i specifically was like you so you were looking i was looking for the non-agents i don't think i was looking while they were on yeah. the ship i think it it was a moment that jumped i think in like the, the smaller quieter scenes right like, there's no white people in i this, know anywhere in this movie but it, it's it makes sense that there aren't because if you're that rich you're gonna marry other rich asian families ah uh, okay you're so not that's gonna really what that's okay. it's really what Got it's it. about you're not gonna marry there's no you're not gonna marry a commoner yeah Got it. And if you do, he'll most likely be well. That Gemma Chan kind of does. Um, but even if you're rich, you're gonna marry rich Chinese because you're in Asia. You're gonna marry a a really wealthy resort owner. You know, like sh- like that the girl he was marrying, right? Um, or someone who owns a bunch of chains in Taiwan or Thailand. You know, you're gonna because there's not white people that own that stuff there. Well, right. But I just thought in general, like. I guess I was, I had to call, I had to catch myself thinking in my American Asian brain. Right. As opposed to my Asian brain. Yeah. I, I, that's just apparent. I'm so, no, but seriously, I'm so used to, right. to seeing that that I, I noticed not seeing it. Right. Which is amazing because that's the whole point. Well, and to, I would also think that that's very purposeful. Right. For sure. Like in Joy Luck Club, she ends up, which I thought they, they, they were smart and they, it's, it's sort of authentic and true where she does, they're in America, you know, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. And she does end up having an American husband, that right. one, one of the girls in the salon, I remember her husband showing up and that was pretty, pretty real. Right. Um, and that, what, what I really loved most about this movie is that it was a complete Asian cast. Totally. Yeah. They that's... did not whitewash, which I am so happy about mm-hmm. because I think in my research for this film, in their shopping it, there were some suggestions to whitewash it, mm, which I'm yes. obviously I'm happy yes. that they didn't because if you told the story with all white people, then we're just talking about another film about rich white folks. Exactly. Which would not have had and the honestly, same And honestly, the whitest person there was Rachel Chu. Constance Wu is being Constance Wu. Well, yeah, but wasn't that also part of the crux of the overall... Yeah, um, is that she's an Asian American. Yeah, and that she's not right. thoroughly Asian. Right. Which I think is also something that 
whether you're Asian or not, anyone can relate to. Oh, yeah. I related to it 100%. Something enough. Yeah, or not 100%. So, therefore, you can't be in this family or because you're not, like, it's not, you know, the message was that it's not about that, really. Right. You know, that it should never be about that. Right. You know, but but I thought it was pretty well that, you know, she was the most American person on there. And I think that was enough for most people also to because she has a name here, you know. Right. And the irony was not lost on me that in the film, Rachel Chu was not Asian enough. Yeah. Here in the United States, often Asian Americans are not American enough. Yeah. They're too Asian and not American enough. Yeah. Generally, it's the other way around. Right. Right, exactly. but you're in America, and then she's in Asia. So totally. Get, yeah, I yeah. felt that. To be honest, I felt that going to Taiwan. When really? I go to Taiwan, I feel super American. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Because I've grown up here, and so when I go there, there's some you know dialogue that I don't understand. There's certain ways, there's certain behaviors that people you know you travel. Awesome. There's just it's a different culture. It's every. It's just different, and right. so because I'm not really from there, I feel different, even though I look the same. Interesting. And I'm 100%. I am not mixed. Right. You know, my dad was born in Taiwan, even though his family's from China. My mom is 100% Taiwanese, if you want to be political. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, my people, my ancestors are from that land. And I just so happened to grow up here, but I feel very, very, very different at times. It's like the motherland moment, if you will. Yeah. We're like... You, you have roots there. You have roots here. You're expecting those warm and fuzzies and for that feeling of home. Yeah. And you do feel at home. I do. I you really do. do. It's do. Not, not so that you don't, but there is that degree there of, is. oh, mm-hmm. I'm not one of you. I'm one of you, but I'm not one really of you. Really one of you. Right. Because I wasn't born here. Right. I wasn't raised here. I don't speak complete Taiwanese, you know. and. Totally. And those are inevitable. Mm-hmm. So when those moments happen, I feel very grateful that I can be aware that those moments are happening. Right. But that I that I'm even grateful that I can have that, you know, because most Americans can't. Right. Um, but it's it, it's 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 a little strange. I I kind of just welcome it, but it feels very your like ego and all this stuff, your identity sort of just feels a little like what the fuck's going yeah. on, you know? A little bit of an identity crisis. A, a little bit. Identity crisis yeah, for sure. For definitely. that split second, and then you just have to be like. We're all one. We're all the same. But but going through that process every time feels a little like, especially when they call me out. You know, they're like, "Oh, you're born in America." Like they Got know, it. you know, because so many Taiwanese people do go back. Okay. You know, they say they're ABC American born Chinese. Got it. Yeah. All right. Um. So you know, it's all it's all just perspective too. So. Hmm. Just, just it, it, all of that stuff that was actually happening, crazy rich agents, the messages, the feelings is all very universal. Right. You know, because I think someone who was, I don't know, born in Spain, mm-hmm. you know, or born here, but his family, his mom's immigrated from Spain to here, goes back to Spain, feels very American, but is 100% Spanish. Like, you know, right. it's the same kind of feeling of not being Spanish enough. Right. Right. Definitely. So it's all very universal and, um, Besides that, I think it, it, this movie is a win for everyone. Oh, yeah. You know? This movie is not a, a loss yeah. for anyone. Yeah. And look, when you have a movie of this caliber, of this magnitude, with a, a novel that was hugely popular, you're not going to be able to represent every single no. facet. But you've got to open up that door a little bit. Somehow. Where do you, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Like, let's not have right? it be another 25 years before there's another all Asian film For that kills reals. at the box office. Tell me about it. Like, it needs to be eventually just as much as how they spit out all these people with white movies or white people as leads, you know? Well, I think that we're getting better. Yeah. I think that with... That's going to take some time, I can see, but I just want to be able to foresee the future that at some point it shouldn't really... It should just be as normal as that. No, totally. Because right. one could, could argue that one of the biggest goals with this film, uh, with the success of this movie, is that the ripple effect will hopefully be more Asian-led stories being pitched and greenlit for production. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the... The, the more superficial goal, if yeah. you will. To and, me, though, the deeper goal right. is redefining what it means, what the, the general viewing public is. Yes. Who is part of that general viewing public? Because for so long, it was white people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at different ages and stages, but general always meant white. And now I think that's changing. Yeah, and... And that's really awesome. Which is amazing. Yeah. I get so blown away by it and so motivated and inspired and just so happy to be living, you know, in this time versus, right. I don't know, why not, not this time. Um, 
you know, and I've heard heard some people say like, oh, yeah, it wasn't good or like all this stuff. And I just want to be like, do you know how many movies and how many TV shows that are led by white people that aren't good? It's true. You know, so like until we have as much credit, like until we have, you know, uh, multiple TV shows and multiple movies that are constantly coming out, all all being led by Asian movies then or Asian, you know, leads, then you can start saying something like that. I yeah, because like, white people are allowed to be mediocre. Yeah. Like they're allowed to. to- put out mediocre films or mediocre right. shit. But when it comes to an ethnic project, I don't care if it's black, Asian, it Latino, it's got extra weight it behind does, it. It does, for whatever reason. And it just sort of, it's so, I just, I, 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 get, I don't get it really, but I also get it. Well, I think from, a, from a, a, a studio standpoint, there was really no other comp like Crazy Rich Asian. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what comp means, comp is essentially a movie that is similar to in a similar genre, similar casting, yeah. similar budget, similar uh, story, story that's being told. There yeah. really wasn't anything no, like very... Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. So... It was they. I think they lowballed it and estimated lower than what it actually completely brought in, which is even better. So then we can prove right. that it's it's far beyond than what they thought. You know, definitely. And it got ninety two on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, yeah, all of that. Like it's sitting pretty with a sequel. <laughs> yeah, uh, with a sequel in the works. Yeah. And I think a lot of its success, to me, in reading about how this movie got made, I think that John Chu and the the producers made a great choice in not signing on with Netflix mm. and making this a classic cinematic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. And going to the movies. Exactly. And I think great. And I applaud Sony once again for just taking the leap to, to do that. You know, I, I'm curious how many Sony studios... or Warner Brothers. Oh, no, it was Warner Brothers. Warner, yeah, Warner yeah. Brothers. Sorry. Okay. Um, I applaud Warner Brothers because I wonder how many studios turned it down, you know, or how mm-hmm. many studios fought for it. Um, you know, only said that it could make, you know, gave it a lower budget, all this stuff, you right. know, like all that stuff that, that you hear about later about why mm. it was so amazing. But, but you know, to take more risks, like what, you know, like. I mean, it's a dollars and cents, a it, dollars it, and cents game. That's what the studios what, what it's all about. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I think also studios for so long have overlooked our demographics for sure which i think with the success of a movie like crazy rich asians or black panther or hidden figures yeah, or insecure Creed, on hbo insecure yeah. the big sick we yeah. are now seeing that searching although totally. you, you weren't crazy about that but it got it got really good reviews and which is still, what matters like yeah. i'm one voice out of millions right, like, right, right i'm right, right. happy that these films and these television shows are changing what it means for our general viewing public mm-hmm. to watch TV and the stories that they, that they intake. Mm-hmm. I think that we are starting to see people going, okay, we've had enough of the white narrative. Like we've Seriously. heard it, we've seen it regurgitated. Yeah. You and... kind of end up not caring so much about it anymore. Yeah. And like, yeah. and, and it also goes to show that white people can relate to films that are, that don't have other white people in them. Right. For so long, I think that was a fear. You kind of see that with coming of age films a little yeah. bit, which I would love to talk about the, yeah. how, coming of age films are super white and really like do young African-American, Latino and Asian teenage girls and guys uh, a disservice because we're so overlooked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That style is definitely, um, I wouldn't say it, it's, it's like, you know, something that's out of fashion. I don't, I, I definitely don't think it's going to come back for a while. I don't know. I, I, w- I would love to do an episode. <laughs> no, There's so much should. episode material <sighs> for that, for coming of age films. Yeah. I could just talk all day. Yeah. But Crazy Rich Asians is here, has done the damn thing, is is going to do it again I with know, a sequel. I'm so excited. I got to get on it. And it just seems like like Aquafina's having a great year. I love her. She was on Ocean's 8. Henry Goulding is having a great year. Yeah. Constance Wu is killing it. Michelle yeah. Yeoh is the win that keeps on winning. Yeah. So kudos to them i know or harry shim jr showed up at the end he was on glee for like eight seasons oh that's right that's yeah. right um ronnie chang that com- he's a comedian he's hilarious jimmy yo yang um there was that guy who was on marco polo for two of them were on marco polo for um on netflix mm. for like two seasons um what's her face uh oh, she's my favorite Sonya. what's her face is the best <laughs> 
Sonia Zuni. Anyway, she's beautiful. She's the one who got married. She's a mix, by the way. She's mm-hmm. like Japanese and Argentinian and something beautiful. But um, she's ca- been casted in a bunch of projects. Gemma Chan is like in a Marvel movie too. Great. Like, just they're all working. Yeah, because I get the feeling that they were so massively underemployed mm-hmm. before. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we like tend to cast a lot of the same kind of looking white actresses yeah. all the time. And like these actors should be working like yeah. every performer in that film was amazing. They were. And, they, and they deserves to be working constantly. Yeah, exactly. So overall, I mean, we definitely needed to talk about this and get it all off our, our chest and share it with you guys and <sighs> how, how much it, it means to us. It feels so good. I'm so glad. <sighs> I'm glad that we talked about it. I'm glad that it's finally out. I know, right? If you haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians, go do yourself a favor and see go it. see Crazy Rich Asians. Seriously, you'll forget about the race. You really will. And you're just going to laugh and cry and experience life alongside these beautiful other human beings. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's sort of the message, I think, that it, it, it is just very, very universal and that anyone can truly relate. Was that the message you got? Because the message I got was plan a trip to Singapore. <laughs> I wanted to go on vacation the entire time I was watching that I know, that film. and it's, it's like, it's this tiny. It's like the tiniest thing in the world. Um, I still want to go to yeah. Singapore. I might and not be, be here next week, guys, because I speak- might be in Singapore. <laughs> they speak English there, so you'll be, in good, <laughs> you'll be in good hands. I love the heat, and I love places that yep. speak English. I'm there. <laughs> this episode was produced by Christian Humes at Zeitheist. Thanks for listening to our first show back from summer break. We're not college kids. We're adults, we swear. But for some reason, we're adult kids. Yeah, we're adult kids. (laughs) And this this felt like summer vacation for us. But we're back. And we're here for you guys. Yes, we're another year. We have a lot of great things coming up. A bunch of topics and good old black and yellow. Ah, love Ah. it so much. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. And we will see you next week. Or we'll we'll chat next week, I should say. Alrighty, bye guys. We'll see you eventually. Bye guys. Bye guys.